Hey everyone, welcome to This Lesbian Ship is Intense. I'm Katie. And I'm V. And for another throwback, we are back to talk to you about the bold type. Um, I have to be honest, I don't think about the bold type that much in between watching these episodes, but every time I've sat down and actually watched the episode for this, I thoroughly enjoy myself. I'm like, this was so fun! So, like, I had to sit down to watch this, but I've been in a mood all day because I'm just, I'm a brat. Like, I am. I know. Um, And so all I've been doing is moping about the fact that I'm going to be working during the release of the clip for Druck tomorrow. So, like, when I had to sit down to watch the show, I was like, "Mm, I don't care. I don't want to watch this. And I was like, you're going to like it. You love this. And then I sat down. I was like, oh, I remember what episode this is. (laughs) I know. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, honestly, the Kadine, the quality of Kat and Adina in this first season is unmatched. The chemistry, the the buildup, it was it was incredible. Like as I was watching it, I was like, wow, this is even better than I remembered it. Yeah, it was really great watching some of the scenes and I was like, oh, this is what I miss. I'm like, I cannot wait to see again. And it's almost the tone of the show is so different now. Like, I didn't even remember some of the stuff from the season. And maybe because the first episode and the second episode are both written by Sarah Watson. But I was like, oh, it just feels like a different show if you go to the newer stuff. And I didn't I mean, you could kind of notice it, but it didn't seem so pronounced I guess as you like kept watching further and further away from the first season but like jumping back to the first season now I'm like oh my god it's just so different yeah I agree with you there was definitely something towards the end that happened that like I kind of was like eye rolling I was like oh my god this is so cheesy and then I was like but at the time like it was great and like it's still great but it just it does it feels really different and I think that it's shifted with like you know how society or like you know just like how consumers have shifted I don't know but not completely in a great way because they've had some really shitty shifting too (laughs) I know I wish they could find they could have found a better balance I guess because in a way I don't hate that the show shifted I think you have to shift with the times especially a show like the multi probably but you know the the joy the funness is is not the same I guess um, yeah, but V has been heavily sucked into the to the Druck saga, and I'm refusing so it doesn't control my life. You have better impulse control. <laughs> the lesbians really can control your life like that. I'm just thinking about how, like, I talked in therapy about, like, healthy relationships with the media I consume and, like, what I could do, and, like, when we talked about strategies, there must have been a look on my face because my therapist's response was, it looks like that would be difficult for you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was like, I fully know what I can and should do. I can tell you 90%. I'm not going to do any of that. <laughs> that's how that's why I haven't done it, because I know once I start, I will not do it. You know, and I'm at a healthy place right now. I'm not in a fandom. I'm not. I may be in the Britney Spears fandom at the moment. Oh, did you watch the documentary? Yes, I did. Um, I'm all about I'm all about saving Britney. But you know, Britney was like maybe my first love. You know, I had her poster 
she was my girl. So I'm coming back around, you know, for my homie Brittany. Um, okay, so why don't we jump into the episode? Yeah, let's do that. Episode two from season one of The Bolt Type is called Oh Hell No, written by the legendary Sarah Watson and directed by Victor Nelly Jr. Um, hello. Can we talk about how there was a narration at the beginning of this? I was like, they basically had like a pilot 2.0, I feel like, with this episode, with the narration and like the, this is Sutton. <laughs> was that continue or was that only in the second episode? I think, I think that, I think that there's an intro for all, hmm, I don't know. But we definitely don't do the whole like their names thing past this. Okay, because I was like, what is happening? I totally forgot about this. Like, the second I saw it, I remembered, but I was so unprepared for this. And then that whole thing where they're basically telling you right away about Kat and Adina, because they're like, Kat said she wasn't that into that, but clearly she is. Like, all right. I will never forget that that happened, because, like, for me, as I was watching, I was like... Oh, so they're like calling that shit out. Like they're they're just like they're letting you know. <laughs> they are not wanting anything to be misconstrued by the audience. This will be gay. <laughs> and you should stick around. In case you didn't pick up on the gay, let me just tell you, it's gay. <laughs> Which honestly I could use more of in television. Yeah, please. If you just put a disclaimer on all your shit, if you like write gay, if you write, if you write queer women of color like fuck i'm there like geez yeah just say this is a priority off the bat it will go a long way i don't know what they said about sun and jane i did not care um yeah neither do i <laughs> this episode had some of the most iconic scenes of the bold type in it mm -hmm. and one of those is with cat sun and jane debating about whether a certain sex pose can be done because Sage wants her to see if it's possible before it gets published in the magazine. One of my favorite parts about this was just like when Kat's like, ooh, can I be the dude? And then they're like, high five. Like, I don't know what it is about that. I think I might find it attractive. Like, I just really liked it. <laughs> oh, Kat is so attractive this whole episode. Her fashion in season one. Oh, it's so good. Her whole existence. Um, she's attractive. It's true. It's true. Yeah, Jacqueline pops in. They tumble into an awkward position in front of her, and she confirms that it is possible, <laughs> and then just walks away. With such ease. She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, this is totally possible. Totally possible. And the girls, like, just look at her with, like, shock and awe as she walks away. And then we go into a staff meeting where, unfortunately, Pinstripe makes his first appearance. My note is... When they introduced Pinstripe, I didn't realize that he would never leave. Like, I did not <laughs> realize. <laughs> Why couldn't this have just been a bit in an episode? Honestly, but even if he's here, this they wrote him off perfectly at the end of the season. I'll never forgive them for bringing him back. They wrote off Adina, but they brought Pinstripe back. That should tell you so much about what you need to know about their priorities. He talks about uh, porn people who want to fuck like porn stars i don't know and that prompts sage to take on a column about porn so now jane has to take on sage's sex column 
Um, and that's the gist. And Jane is very uncomfortable by this. I'm like so thrown by Jane sometimes though. Like, I mean, no, like all the time, let's be real. Where she's just like, uh, yeah, no, Jacqueline, I actually don't want to do that. I want to do political. So thanks. And I'm like, who are you to say no to her? Honestly, honestly, Jane, why don't you just say, I don't want to do the sex column or I don't feel comfortable doing the sex column instead of demeaning the sex column by trying to act like other things are better than the sex column. Mhm. Yep. I exactly like I just think that there's a way that Jane talks um that I don't really I was going to say I don't jive with. <laughs> we wouldn't be friends with Jane is basically <laughs> what we're saying. Um anyway, the point of that meeting is Jane has to write about orgasms and she doesn't like it. Then we show Kat reporting to Lauren and Lauren suggesting ideas to Kat. So here's my question. Who does Kat report to? And if she's reporting to Lauren for permission, why does Lauren disappear from the show? Yeah. What is Lauren's title again? We don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I think she's an editor. But basically, Lauren is the biggest plot hole of the bold type. And I need answers about what's happened is the actress gay in real life lauren yeah i don't think so i don't know why like i briefly thought that wait no is it just because we all like canon that she's gay in the show (laughs) oh yeah there's a big there's a big thing that lauren has a butch girlfriend yes yes that's what it is i forgot that it was a head canon and not the actress's real life tons of shit for the show in season one we really were vibing as a fandom back then oh my god yeah so i was just thinking i was like i fucking love lauren like i don't know why she had to go away and we kept i mean i know why they kept fucking richard but like i'd rather have had lauren why couldn't she and Not get together? Lauren. yes yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would become the biggest hypocrite and support that i mean i would too <laughs> Lauren wants Kat to follow up on the Muslim lesbian photographer piece. And Kat is like, "Mm, I don't know. She deleted her social media. And Lauren is like, well, call her. (laughs) Yeah. Also, she says, do do something that is uncommon for your generation. Have you thought about telephoning her? And I was like, telephoning her? I was like, just say calling. (laughs) When Kat is talking to Lauren about, like, all her ideas, whatever, I was like, look at Kat being a boss-ass bitch, just, like, knowing how to do her shit. And I just get really irritated in the future when I feel as if, though, she is not treated with the same, you know, capabilities and knowledge. I have more to say about this later. (laughs) Then Sutton gears herself up to talk to Lauren about getting a promotion. And Lauren... Is completely fine with it and thinks that's a, a is a logical step, which seems like a really nice call out to Lauren. Like it's keeping her in character, but she's not against Sutton like moving up and supporting her. Yeah, I think that's great for both Jacqueline and Lauren because I think immediately you can think that they're like gonna be um, you know, like catty and like not want, you know, people to like surpass them or whatever, but they are so supportive. Exactly. And so I love that even Lauren, even though Lauren has this reputation as like a hard bitch, that um, 
she also does support women in the workplace and all of these things. And I like that the multitudes between Jacqueline and Lauren here. And then Lauren dumps Sutton on Richard to prepare for her for the business side of the magazine, which is just like an immediate ew. And then Kat is like awkwardly and bashfully looking at her previous text to Adina that Adina did not respond to. And I love this little moment. She then tries to give Adina a call, but we find out her phone has been disconnected. Can you imagine the fucking anxiety of taking that fucking photo and then being ghosted? But what's funny to me, and it's like an interesting call out on our generation, is like, if Kat would have tried to call her before, she would have found out that the line's disconnected. But because she's only sent text, she has no idea. That's so true. Like, this is where we as a generation have failed in that ability to communicate. Like, would I take the risk to call them if they ghosted me? No, I would not. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, I would call someone easily. But if you've ghosted me after I send you, like, basically a naked photo, like, do I want to do that? (laughs) Yeah. Like, how far are you truly willing to put yourself out there like that? Um, And, like, Kat only does, obviously, for her work. And then what happens next? Okay, now we go to the fashion closet. And um, Jane complains about her piece. And um, we find out here a lot about Kat. So we find out that Kat never sticks around with dudes. We found out that Sutton's true dream is to work in fashion, but that's not practical. And then... Kat reveals that she had a sex dream about Adina last night. And Sutton is like, are you sure it was a sex dream? Because sometimes erotic dreams are not about sex. And Kat goes, no, it was definitely about sex. And then Jane has to steal the moment to say she's never had an orgasm before. Oh, my God. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, Jane, she just like revealed that she fucking had a dream about a woman. Can you calm down about your lack of an orgasm for like a minute? Let her process her shit. Like, she just blurts it out. And I'm just like, Jane, like, you, everything is is about you. Stop it. Oh, my God. I was going to say, in addition to uh, Kat saying, you know, like, she doesn't stick around with men to train them. Um, uh, she also said, like, you know, that they aren't satisfying and she can do a job better than herself. And when this happened, I thought she was going to come out as a lesbian it's, it's not what ends up happening, but I was just like, dissatisfaction with having sex with men. Um, but also, why do women have to train men? Like, why do I hear so much shit about having sex with men? I don't know. It's a very curious topic. Um, I, I could not relate to, so I, I don't know what to say about it, to be fair. But, you know... To each their own. If you want to do that, go right ahead. Then the girls, like, they have a full solid second or two where they just stare at Jade. That is really funny. And then they're just like, can you define never? (laughs) And um, vow to help her achieve orgasm. I love, again, how intelligent 
cat is. You know, she's just like, all right, let's go ahead and rule this out medically. Um, And then Jane's like, oh, my God, do you think it's a medical thing? She's like, no, dude, like, obviously, like, you are, like, so stuck in your head. And I'm like, look at Kat being a person who's capable of thinking of multiple perspectives and possible reasons for a thing um, and to articulate that in an appropriate way. Okay, and I have a point about this because Kat is so dynamic in these first two episodes. I really am remembering why I fell in love with her right away. And, you know, people talk about, like, I mean, Aisha being dynamic, obviously, but a lot of people talk about Megan and Sutton being a standout. But Megan was a slow burn. Like, once they started to realize her talent, because it's not here. Like, I mean, she's great, obviously, but, like, the true charm of Sutton isn't in these first couple episodes, in my opinion. And it's as they learn, like, Megan's comedic skills that we really start to see that, I think, with Sutton. But Kat, out of the gate, is the best character out of the three of them. And it's so clear in this episode. She's just so dynamic and, like, has all this, like, gumption and, uh, like personality to her but she also has like these vulnerable moments and it's so compelling oh i had to let that out apparently (laughs) i agree with you though i think that megan was definitely a slow burn cat right off the bat amazing jane oh honey (laughs) jane i will appreciate jane if she can stay on a steady track and not like go downhill you know what i'm saying like I just need Jane to stay steady. So then, and an incredible moment that like really just gave me butterflies watching it again. Adina shows up to see Kat. And when Adina like turns and looks at her and says like, are you surprised? I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) And it's so great. Of course she is, Adina, you fucking flirt. Oh, my God. And then Kat goes for the handshake, but Adina goes in for the hug. And Kat literally says, oh, my God, out loud. Oh, my God. I love her. Okay. I love in the beginning where she's, like, shocked to see her. And then, like, the little things that Aisha does with the acting where she, like, you see her, like, like kind of, like, suck in of air. Yes. Like, oh, my God. And then, like, that fucking smile on her face where she's just, like, like, geeking out that, like, Adina is hugging her. I'm literally so charmed by their dynamic again in the beginning. And then they go talk and Kat is like, um, I sexted you and never heard back. And then Adina goes, well, I got like, like, it wasn't a sec, though. It was just like, it was a joke. I was just trying to be funny. Um, un- unless. <laughs> <laughs> and then Adina's like, I got death threats. So I ditched the phone, but I saw the pic. Like, Adina. I know. Like, she doesn't even, like, try and, like, just take the out and just be like, oh, yeah, I don't know, my phone, death threats, I haven't seen anything. You know, she's just like, she's like, but I want you to know, I did, in fact, receive it. Um, And also, if that's, like, a good enough excuse, yeah, that's a good enough excuse if people are trying to kill you or, you know, at least say that they're trying to. And then um, Kat tries to play it off like a stupid joke. And Adina says, it wasn't stupid, Kat. You touched me here, too. And Kat gets very uncomfortable. <laughs> she like she just like looks the fuck away. She's like, oh, I can't do it. 
She like grabs her phone, like, I need a crutch in this moment. Please help me. Um, and it's all amazing. Like, I, I'm very curious. Like, I feel like, and maybe we'll talk about this more at the end, but I really feel like they threw Coco in us just to give it a plot twist because Adina is like so forward with Kat, right? Yes. Um, I was thinking about that later when we see Coco and I was like, I feel as if though this was a cheap plot device. Yeah, I think that they did not mean for Coco to have as much significance <laughs> at all. Um, but that is not how fans reacted. Because, wow, Adina is really coming on strong here, I have got to say. Um, and then Alex is going to write... You've seen Kat, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I would be too. Um, not really. I don't think I'd have enough confidence to go for Kat. But Adina clearly does, and that's what's important. And then uh, they set up Alex writing another article on Adina... Which, honestly, would have been kind of fun if we remembered that in later seasons and developed a relationship between Alex and Adina, right? Because he's, like, actually talked to her one-on-one. I have to say, this episode, like, really made me sad for how little they did with Alex later on. I know. Alex was all over this episode. And, honestly, I have thoughts about how it really feels like they set up more for Alex and Sutton long term, right? They motherfucking did. And I am so pissed because I shipped the shit out of that. Why didn't it happen? Why did they close the door for them, really, after the season? Like, why couldn't they have kept... I'm not really about love triangles, but I have to say, if Sutton eventually chose Alex, I would have been totally okay with the Sutton-Richard-Alex love triangle. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's just because the fans had such a reaction to Richard and Sutton that they went for that instead. And I think that um, the new showrunners had a thing for them or like really cared for them and they went for it. But I, I do think that had Sarah stayed, I think the intention was for Sutton and Alex for sure. Oh, Adina invites Kat to come to the show as well. So then Jacqueline wants to check in on Jane because she seemed uncomfortable in their meeting. And Jane says... It's not a problem, even though she is very uncomfortable with it. And I'm like, why don't you just be comfortable for yourself, Jane? Yeah, you had no problem just saying, like, I want to do political piece. Why can't you just say I'm uncomfortable? I know. Um, and then Jacqueline says, you just have to make it your own. You cannot do what Sage does because very few people can do what Sage does. And I appreciate that about Sage. I truly enjoy her as a secondary character in the show. So... Richard and Sutton are there for this informational interview and Richard is like why can't we actually do an inner uh, interview here and Sutton's like I don't want to things are good between us I don't want to cross those boundaries and I'm just like all of this makes me uncomfortable (laughs) Um, only thing I like what I had to say is just like he makes that Mr. Gray joke and like it makes me uncomfortable and for some reason 
I don't even know what exactly it was that he brought up, but it just like made me really think about the fact that he is an established man in a job, you know, doing an informational interview with Sutton, who is going from an assistant to like trying to do something different. And I was thinking like, there's nothing wrong with being an assistant, but I think a lot of times an assistant job can for people be when they are younger and it's a stepping stone. And that's very much what it is for Sutton. And I would just feel like I'm dating a fucking child, like a baby. Yes, that too. Um, there's that perspective, but just like generally speaking, it just it feels pretty gross. It like seems like a leg up, you know, like giving her insight somewhere to apply for jobs, telling her that she got the job early. Ooh, let's hold off on that, telling her about the job until later. You have something to do with getting her the job, you know what I mean? It, yeah, did you put some off. good words in? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a little awkward all around. And then he's, like, trying to use this as a fake interview to get to know Sutton better. And, like, I don't know if that's supposed to, like, feel romantic. But it doesn't feel great uh, to me, personally. It feels icky. And then we find out that Sutton started at Scarlet as a temp. Her mom's a mess. She has student loans. She doesn't have a lot of support. It also comes up how much Sutton loves Scarlett. And the magazine is like so much a part of these girls' life in the first season, which is just so interesting on where we end up. Um, so I that like stood out to me. I think that the one thing that I do enjoy about this scene is that it does give us the opportunity to learn more about Sutton. I think it's really important to know that Sutton... Um, you know, came from a maybe less stable house um, and she had to grow up. And I think also, is this the scene where we find out about the $100 bill or is that with us, uh, um, Alex? No, see, this is, that's with Alex. And that is what prompted my earlier point. Um, so James Gino calls her and she keeps like moving around the office trying to get privacy and I'm just like, Jane, just tell her you're at work and you need a second to find a private space. Why are you just running around acting like you're not paying attention? And why don't you go to the fashion closet where you go for literally everything else? That's exactly what I was just like, honey, why are you acting like you don't know where is a safe place to go? You go there all the time. <laughs> Also, why did you go on an elevator and think your cell phone would still work? And then basically she just screams at the gynecologist, is there a problem with my vagina? And then Pinstripe is there overhearing all of it. Of course, of course, this is the way that Pinstripe gets introduced to us. At the end where he says, like, oh, your badge is okay. And I think it's supposed to be cute little banter. But really, I think that's rude. And, like, don't we talk about my vagina in fucking public? Listen. Okay, I've been thinking about this. Because it feels like Jane and Pinstripe were set up to be this, like, enemies to lovers trope. And I'm typically not into that trope. So I... I don't know if it's because it's done like this with straight people that makes me not like it. Um, because I kind of liked it in the wilds that just did it with the lesbian couple on that show. So 
I think I do like it. I just have been exposed to relationships like fucking Pinstripe and Jane, which make me want to claw my eyes out. That make me think I don't like it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I definitely like Enemies to Lovers, and I didn't dislike Ryan as much in the beginning. I didn't I hated like this him from this scene forward. I didn't hate him here. And maybe it's because like I had very low investment in the show in the beginning. Um, but my like true distaste for him grows in the future. Um, and then Alex is trying to look for Kat. And I feel like this is the start of the Sutton Alex thing here because he's kind of like it looks like he just kind of wants to find an excuse to talk to Sutton, right? So I don't know if he's just trying to find an excuse, but for me, it was more like the easy banter between them. So like the way Sutton's just like, do I look like Kat's like keeper or assistant or like whatever? Um, and he's like, no, but you do look like so. Like, I don't know. There's just something about the way that they talk to each other, like throughout the entire thing. And at the very end where he's like, I'm going to get Shake Shack. And she's like, ooh, I'm in. Like, it's not even a quite like it just there's such a familiarity of feeling between the two. And of them. it's so fresh and exciting. But also, I think there's a little moment where Alex kind of takes a deep breath. So I'm like, are we getting this this early? Um, I think so. I think so. And then yeah, I, I shipped it from the beginning. So I do think that it was. Yeah, I really liked them. And I kind of forgot uh, as things move forward with Sutton and Richard, how much I liked Sutton and Alex. But the second I got scenes with them in this episode, I was like, "Ooh, I really did like them a lot in season one. Um, and then Kat and Jane go to a sexologist. And Kat just, like, immediately lays it out there. Like, she's going through some sexual identity issues at the moment. And um, Jane interrupts and thinks that's not that important because she's never had an orgasm before. And she needs to take up the time. Well, I really liked from the beginning when the sexologist is like, hi, Jane, and this is your girlfriend. And like this show is just telling you we will not shy away from gay in any way. Like we will just any opportunity. We will we will put it out there. And uh, yeah, Kat tries to commandeer that appointment because she's just like, actually, <laughs> I like how I'm bitching at Jane when Kat's the one commandeering Jane's appointment. I'm like, fuck you, Jane. Let Kat talk about her sexual identity issues. But I mean, <laughs> I just I just can't get over it because like my brain always goes back to what the fuck did she dream about? Because later on when we watch porn, she's like, my mind goes to this and like, no. But she also told Sutton it was very much about sex. So I'm just like, what did you dream, honey? I know. I don't know. <laughs> I forgot how big of a deal this was in the show, but. Yeah, because she's really uncertain. She like she knows she feels something for Adina, but like she's also really funny how she like talked about Jane like being stuck in her mind, but she's also really stuck in her mind too. Yeah, she's like stuck in this like rigid. I don't even think it's that it makes her uncomfortable. I think it's that it's outside of her comfort zone and she doesn't know how to process it. Which is very interesting for Kat because she's uh, she's so spontaneous in a way. But really they really play into her impulsiveness and they even incorporate that impulsiveness into her sexuality exploration, which I do have mixed feelings on how they handle it. But uh, Kat actually wasn't like, she was very brave in how she like interacted with Adina, but she wasn't impulsive. I would say, I mean, think about how many 
times she's having to like challenge her own perception of herself and how many conversations she has with both Jane and Sutton about how she identifies. Like I wouldn't call, I think if she just like kissed Adina out the blue or something, that would be impulsive, but I actually don't feel like she's impulsive about it. Yeah, that's actually a really great point is I think that Kat can seem impulsive, but really what it is, it's brave. Yeah. I mean, the amount of times that Kat has been so forthcoming with her thoughts and feelings related to Adina, like there's no, I mean, it doesn't feel like there's really any shame associated with it. It's just like, huh, curious. Let me talk about this. Which is why, actually, like how they kind of do some of the later stuff, it feels weird. Like the whole like kissing another girl and stuff like that Mm -hmm. the whole even like open relationship and stuff like how impulsive and just like on the fly that whole thing went it actually when you go back to season one doesn't really feel that in line with Kat's character yeah the important thing here is that Jane gets a yoni egg out of this deal (laughs) um and then the gals are watching porn together uh, because Jane needs to find her erotic fantasy. And we find out that Sutton prefers erotic literature to mm-hmm. which smutty fan fictions do you think Sutton reads? <laughs> I mean, she like gave some example or like uh, something she read. And I have no idea. I, I think Sutton would read it all. Like Sutton is very adventurous and open with sex. Who's like who's her fantasy couple though? You know, if she was gonna read fan fictions, like if we could pick a couple, like a straight couple on TV. Yeah, I was like, I mean, you already you- lost me with heterosexual couple. <laughs> I know, I don't think about them too much, but I have been known to ship a straight couple here or there. If the bull typewriters didn't hate us anymore, <laughs> I could just like send them a little tweet like, hey, who would Sutton fantasize about? And they would know and they would tell us Uh-oh. back in the old days. But now I they don't know. like it. I don't blame them for because we have been really hard on them and they're just doing their jobs. But I, I forgot about what good terms we had with them before. Like, I forgot about that. <laughs> We had great terms in this burning question. I would have been able to get answered. And now it will have to sit with me forever. (laughs) You'll just have to consume a lot of straight media now so that you can get your own answer. (laughs) No. And then, yeah, we talk about how Jane is too logical. And that is why she has trouble letting go in her fantasies. Kat's like, you just have to totally give in to the fantasy. And Jane's like, I'm not a totally given type of person. And I do relate to Jane there. I'm a control freak in that way sometimes as well. Um, and then Sutton says she has a job interview in ad sales. And the girls are just like, oh, that sounds boring. And then Kat's like, so I have been thinking about Adina. So let me just pull up this lesbian (laughs) porn and talk about why I can't picture myself doing that. Um, But then Sutton gets mad that they blew her off and minimized her job interview. And so she leaves and goes to Richard's. Why is everyone interrupting Kat just as she's like trying to talk about the sex shit? First Jane with her inability to have an orgasm. Now Sutton because, you know, maybe she was offended. <laughs> like, okay, there's two sides to this because Sutton did 
bring up the job interview before Kat brought up the sexuality issue. However, Sutton's point of conversation was off topic and Kat's was, was within the topic of conversation. And so she maybe just really wanted to talk about this with them while they were talking about this type of thing, you know? Really good arguments, Katie. Really good arguments. You see what I'm saying? So neither of them are wrong. They are both correct in this moment, I feel. But Kat does recognize she maybe did blow off something that was important to Sutton. And then we have Sutton talking to Richard about how she needs the money and how she saved a $100 bill as for a train to get home as her plan B. And how it used to make her feel safe, but now it feels like a weight. Oh, so she told this to 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 Richard, not Alex. She told something to Alex later on. Um, but the first thing she's going to do is spend it if she gets a job. And, I mean, I did appreciate... I appreciate this part of Sutton's backstory. It feels very relatable to poor people like me. This is where we talked about, like, zoning out. This is where I zoned out. I stopped paying attention completely. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be paying attention. And then I was like, oh, this is the $100 bill thing. This is not where I zoned out. Mine is later. Um, mine is with the other straight couple. <laughs> oh. Makes sense. <laughs> But valid. And then we go back to Jane watching bad porn on a website called Stud Vids. And I was like, Stud is a lesbian term. Is this a porn site for black lesbians? I I I don't think so because they had a bunch of thumbnails of Why like they have a porn site called Stud Vids, V for straight people. Because I think in the past stud was a term used just for like a hot guy. But in porn? Oh, I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the industry terms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you made it a point to tell us your show was gay in the very beginning. And I'm pointing out a discrepancy. Um, And then Jane Googles office romance into the porn site. Um, which I think it's funny that she says romance. <laughs> Like, <laughs> just looking for love. <laughs> and also, it feels weird with Sutton and Richard's whole dynamic to be mm. typing that in. I don't know. Yeah. It feels strange. But this is where I saw paying attention because I'm like, did she fantasize with Pinstripe in it? Because I literally stopped looking at the screen. She did. And my note was just like, literally, why? Like, what about your interaction with him where he yelled at you about your vagina, which is like, ooh, he's hot. I want to have sex with him. Like, fantasize about any other hot guy. That's where the enemies to lovers does not hit for them with me. I don't get why you're interested in him at all. And then Kat goes to talk to Sutton and kind of apologizes and Sutton tries to apologize first and it's all very sweet they recognize that they weren't supportive of each other's issues and Kat asks Sutton if she really wants a job and Sutton says yes stop lying to everybody Sutton and then Sutton asks about the Adina thing and says is this real and Kat says there is something there but she doesn't know about the sex part and her she kind of brings up her therapist parents and what they've would say about the situation which starts to give us a little bit of insight into cat i just have to say i personally don't appreciate the use of the word shrink 
<laughs> I just really think that we need to eliminate stigma around mental health services. <laughs> and shrink is not a term I appreciate. But anyways. <laughs> but I do appreciate Kat's, um, you know, little formulation of... Um, what her parents would think about her feelings for Adina. I think yeah. if your parents intellectual intellectualized every feeling you had growing up, you would probably act like Kat and react the way Kat does. Yeah. Uh, but that becomes a part of her character, which they really don't stick to that much beyond the first and second season, I don't think either. Oh, the whole thing is, like, Jane keeps calling them and they keep ignoring the call. And Jane finally gets Kat to answer. She's like, don't hang up on me. Uh, the Yodi egg is stuck. And then, of course, to make Jane's awful no-good day better, she runs into Pinstripe. And she just, like, takes it out on him and calls him a misogynistic piece of trash. And he's like, oh, you've never read my articles, have you? And walks away. Massive eye rolls from both of us. My note is like, I fucking hate it when people smile at me when I'm angry. Like it infuriates me. And then he's just like, I think, I think a woman who speaks her mind is sexy. And I'm like, shut up. Like, I just can't stand him right now. <laughs> You're just like belittling her opinions. And it's so weird and such a weird dynamic that I really don't find attractive. And then the girls. Don't want to dive into Jane's badge, which I get that hesitation that they share. And Sutton says to Kat, well, you're the one that wants to explore. How about it? And I appreciate this a little bit, that they're so comfortable with each other. The fact that Kat might be into women is definitely not an issue in this situation. You're right. And I really do appreciate that because, like, how many times are, like, women, like, concerned that other women are going to view them as predatory or as being interested when they're not? And, like, you know, just that whole, like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm looking at them in the locker room. And so for Jay to be like, I don't give a shit. Shove your fucking hand up my vagina and get this out of me. (laughs) I mean, which, yes, that's exactly what we need in that moment. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, that's where we need to stay. Um and then Kat, like, goes, hold my Fitbit to Sutton before she goes in. This scene is so fun. This is the funniest scene in all of the bull type, correct? Yeah, I think so. Like, this is the most iconic scene, I think. Yeah, definitely the most iconic. It's, I was laughing all over again watching it. Literally, like, my notes are just, like, lines where it's just, like, hold my Fitbit. Um, you know, I need you to relax. Um, you know, imagine puppies. Actually, quite beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Don't you dare ruin puppies for me. (laughs) And then what's the other one? It's like, um, this is like an awful Easter egg hunt. (laughs) Yes. The worst Easter egg hunt ever. Yes. All these lines are so good. They're gold. So funny because it's just like elevating the drama too to the fact that this yoni egg is stuck inside of Jane. And I just like laugh watching it, like how Kat just like goes right in there. Like she she like she pulls up those sleeves and is like, all right, open them legs up. <laughs> diving right in to get that egg. Um it's really funny. This scene after is my 
favorite that Jane has ever been. Um, Jane goes up to Kat and is like obviously like embarrassed, but also like very grateful for what Kat's done for her. And so she's kind of playful with her. And she's just like, thank you. And then Kat's like, I'm not a lesbian, Jane. And she's like, don't worry. It wasn't your badge. And Jane's like, okay, I didn't say it was. <laughs> and then Kat's like, I'm hetero. I'm totally hetero. I'm hetero, right? And Jane's just like, are you trying to convince me, Kat? And I just appreciate how Jane is with her in the scene. Mm-hmm. Like, it obviously freaked Kat out more than it freaked Jane out. And that's kind of an interesting twist to go with it than the, like, homophobic predatory mm-hmm. approach. Um, where Jane is like, Kat, I really understand that this has nothing to do with me. You do not need to convince me of anything. You can be whoever you want to be. You know, and but without... That's basically what this conversation is, but Jane understanding what she can and can't say to Kat in that moment while she's freaking out. Yeah, I think that I liked this scene just because Jane was playful at the end when she throws the yoni egg uh, back into Kat's hands. Like, I just feel like it was such a moment of levity in, like, what could be a really heavy thing where Kat's, you know, Kat's just like, I'm not a lesbian, right? I'm hetero, right? I'm totally hetero. Um, And then Jane is just like, hmm. <laughs> and then just like throws the yoni, you know, and I don't know. It just felt light to me and I liked it. It felt especially. light. And I, I agree. And I think that is what Kat needed. Like she needed that ability to like, like kind of how um, Jane's two in her head. Like mm-hmm. this kind of getting flipped back on her where Jane's uh, in a casual way, not putting more pressure on Kat because that maybe wouldn't have the best end result. And so it's kind of in a way that they understand each other as friends, I think. Okay, so Kat and Jane, they have a lot of scenes in this episode. Kat then talks about going to Adina's show, and Jane says she has to finish her article. And now it's time for Kat to give the advice and says that she has to take a risk. A chart isn't going to help her answer all of her questions. And Jane hand delivers her article to, to Jacqueline. And I would just like to know how realistic that is. <laughs> so you hand deliver your article to the editor in chief of a magazine. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to get derailed. Um, I, I do not know how realistic that is. Um, my thoughts on the scene were that this is the first time we hear Kat call her Tiny Jane. And I think it's adorable. And I love that it is a recurring thing in the future. Um, and, you know, that we learned that Jane would like to publish this anonymously. Because she brings that up here, right? Like, for the first mm-hmm. time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I was just like, valid, Jane. I feel that. Like, the amount of times I want to post something that's very personal or of just, like, me as a human. And then I'm like, mm, do I want that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the power of the internet, right, is anonymity, and that's why there are a lot of horrible people on the internet, so, you know. Then we go to what looks like the coolest uh, gallery show ever, and Adina has blown the pick of Kat up that she sent her, and Kat is so flustered by this. 
She's so flattered. <laughs> oh my god. Like this is what I'm saying where I don't know. I just don't get this Coco situation. Like mm -hmm. Adina blew up a picture of Kat and put it in her <laughs> motherfucking gallery. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's a really big thing. Um <laughs> I just that's love very forward. If someone did that to you, would you not think they were into you? I mean, everything's forward. The fact that she doesn't take the out about the fucking picture and then follows up with, you also touched me here. It wasn't silly, cat. Let me so blow cheap. up your fucking face. <laughs> you know, this is what was so frustrating. It's like there's all this like a nuance to Kat and Adina's dynamic that's so interesting and suspenseful. And everything about the Coco plot device feels so cheap. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, Adina is like this big shot and this like velvet blue duster and like she has photographers around her and stuff. I'm like, I kind of feel like they forget the Adina that like they built up in these first few episodes and later in the show. Oh, yes, <laughs> because later on she can't find a job to save her fucking life. <laughs> Then Alex asks Kat if she's going to introduce them. And Kat's like, in a minute, she's busy. Can't you see I have a crush? Leave me alone. Yeah, really what it is is like, can you not see? I cannot catch my breath. <laughs> I need a second. I need to pull it together for a moment, please. Um, and Pinstripe is there to review the show. And Jane is like, a fucking course he's here. And so am I. Richard calls Sutton to tell her that she got the job. And Alex is there in the moment and asks her if she's okay. And she's like, I got the job. And he says, congratulations. And she's basically insinuating that it doesn't feel right. And she says that fashion is her dream. But it's too risky. Um, and she can't afford to fail. She doesn't have the same set of support that Kat has or... Mm -hmm. Um, something like that. And then Alex looks at her and tells her that she gets to have a dream too. And oh. this is where I feel like their relationship was set up to be more important mm -hmm. because yes, Sutton makes the confession about the hundred dollar bill to Richard, but like what is more vulnerable to her, it seems like is that she wants to go for fashion because Kat and Jane keep bringing it up and she won't admit it to them. But the first mm -hmm. person she admits it to is Alex. And the way that he validates that, you know, in the beginning, he said to her, actually, no, no, let me continue with this. Um, in that original scene where they talk about it at the office and she's like, blah, 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 money. He's like, yeah, that's why you take the job. And so I feel as if though Alex kind of reads where Sutton is at. And he's like, at that moment in time, you know, she was second guessing taking this job for this reason. And he supported her and is like, hey, no, like taking it for money is not a bad reason. Like that is legitimate. And here where she's being open and like visibly not happy about having gotten the job, he meets her where she's at again. It's just like, Sutton, you don't have to take it for the money. Like you deserve your dream, girl. Like do you? He is the best. <laughs> You're making me upset because they threw this away for Richard and Sutton. And then they threw Richard and Sutton away. But they they threw this away too long ago. So now in the final season, we can't even get Sutton and Alex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's done done. Yeah. So Sutton and Alex, I can't get. I can't get Alex and Jane. What is going on here? 
why they just, have they, they fucked up with Alex? They just fucked up with Alex so bad. It's so clear. I don't understand why they look. I'm all about how guys and girls can be friends, but there's mm-hmm. three girls that Alex is friends with. <laughs> why couldn't you pair Alex up with Jane or Sutton? Yeah. Um. I do also want to say <laughs> how upset I am with Richard. He calls Sutton and he's just like, I'm breaking like three confidentiality clauses and I'm doing something that I really shouldn't do. But I have to tell you that you got the job. And I'm like, oh, funny, Richard. So, so funny that you can go ahead and break these rules and, you know, not be maybe ethical or moral for the sake of your girlfriend. Mm, You hypocritical bitch. Like, I was so mad. Uh, Jacqueline calling Jane to to say that the her is missing from the piece that the point of view is missing from it and jane says that those figures and numbers help her because they make her feel like she's not alone and she is although she's happy that more women are owning up to their sexualities it puts a lot of pressure for her and girls like her Then Jacqueline tells her that as long as she speaks the truth, she can write the article anonymously. And here's what I have to say. I could never. Oh, and she says that she wants the next draft on her desk tomorrow. Okay, number one, boundaries. Is this like 8 o'clock at night? You want it in the morning? Why are you calling her? Is this not like after hours? I'm off work. Do not call me in my off hours. I'm not answering you. I work between the hours I am working. Number one. But number two, like the complete lack of personal boundaries and like what your coworkers know about you in these workplaces is really something to me because I am all about these strong boundaries in my workplace. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's healthy. <laughs> You're just straight up talking to your boss about how you've never had an orgasm before. Like, that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and then later on, we're like, everyone reads it immediately. (laughs) And then Kat sees Adina across the room and Jane asks her if she said hi yet. Um, And Kat says, gay, straight, I don't think it matters. So I'm just going to talk to her. And then as she walks up, The woman we've been talking about all episode, Coco, shows up (laughs) and throws everybody in the world a curveball when we were watching this live. Do you remember that crushing feeling when you saw Coco (laughs) for the first time? I was like, I was like, who the fuck is this chick? And then I was like, maybe, maybe it's just like, you know, a date to this. But then the way that they interact, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, no, this is an established relationship. I was like, oh, no. And like the song um, that plays as Kat witnesses this, I was like, it hurts. The way she reacts, it's very crushing. Mm-hmm. God, Aisha is really good at the minute details of expression in her face. Yeah, she is so good at these, like, micro-expressions that bring so much, like, truth, like, that makes a character feel so real. That's why I've loved every role that I've watched that she's been in. I've loved her character so much in everything I've watched that she's been in. And so I'm really looking forward to her getting another, hopefully, amazing TV role after this. Oh, my God. Yes, please. Get something amazing so I can watch you in something new, Asia. I mean, if I it's also gay, it. like I'll be, I'll be real happy. 
And then um, Sutton and Jane are there, and Kat feels like an idiot, and Jane says she's the bravest person that she knows, and Sutton and Jane say they wish they were more like her, and, like, this is the side of Kat that I wish we get more as things go on, like, this, like, recognition of the amazing parts of her braveness, and not all of this, like, diminishing of it within her you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying yeah support that light like make her grow um for me i was irritated with jane because i'm like your girl just like just lost like her hope of like figuring shit out with this woman and you're like you're so brave and i can be brave too i can go make out with ryan now I just, like, was annoyed. <laughs> it happened all episode. We shut down the gay for Jane's orgasms. And it's not right. Oh, <laughs> Now I'm just remembering how much sex she has later on. Anyways. I could have been us. And look where we are instead. <laughs> the one thing I do like about Jane is she goes up to Pinstripe and goes, Have you been flirting with me? <laughs> Just to clarify, because I'm about to do something and I need to know. <laughs> Which is just really, it's just a funny way to, like, ask him that, in my opinion. Especially as someone that's, like, not great at picking up when someone's flirting with me. You know what I'm uh -huh. saying? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it just cracked me up that she was like, are you flirting with me? Okay, I'm making out with you. Oh, my God. This made me think about, I forgot earlier I had meant to say um, when... Jane was talking to Jacqueline in one of the scenes like there was just so many like sexual like there were so many things that she was saying that could be interpreted as very sexual with Jacqueline and I was like the Jacqueline shippers have to have been dying through that scene. Oh my god the Jane and Jacqueline stuff is off the chain in the mm -hmm. beginning. I truly mm -hmm. forgot how much Jacqueline's sole purpose and influence in the show is through Jane. It's It's truly intense so I really get it. And then Adina is looking at Kat's picture as Kat walks up to her. And Adina is so happy that she came and is, like, so excited to see her. And Kat says that she was nervous to talk to her. And Adina's like, oh, about the photograph. I knew I should have said something before. And Kat says, no, she loved it but then kind of cops out instead of saying what she was actually nervous about and says that the show was amazing. And then they both look like they wish Kat had said something else there. They both look like that. That's funny. So, okay, I think that Kat looks like she wishes she had said something else. And I think that Adina looks like she knows exactly what Kat didn't say and is grateful she didn't put it out there. Do you think she's grateful that she didn't put it out there or you or she wanted her to put it out there? I think that she wants her to, but also knows that if she does, that it fucks everything up. Because as soon as Kat puts that out there, then she can't continue to socialize with Kat under the, you know, the guise of this is just friendship. Once Kat puts that out there, then Adina has to acknowledge what it is and, and come to terms with like what that means for how she feels. You know, and that makes sense because I think maybe she sends that right away and brings up the photograph as kind of a deterrent when Kat was clearly, you know, going to say something else. Exactly. Yeah, I think Adina, I think, I think they both knew exactly what was supposed to be said. <laughs> Interesting. But I think that's what it is with Adina. Like, she knows 
what Kat was going to say. And I think a part of her wanted her to say it and a part of her didn't want her to say it. And that's where the difficulty for her comes up. And then Sutton and Alex get a drink together and they toast using her $100 bill for her crazy dreams. And I'm just saying you could have at least used that $100 towards some other things and not all on expensive champagne, Sutton. Um, I support her. I don't care what she spends it on, but I just think that it's interesting that she spends that $100 with Alex, you know? I It's like her, she's, you know, how she talked about it with Richard as this like freeing experience for her to spend that money. Yeah, she couldn't wait for it. And she spends it with, with Alex. Like, how the hell was that not foreshadowing about their relationship? Like how Richard and Sutton really might have been what she was doing, but it wasn't the best thing for her. And Alex was there all along. It was perfect. It was mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. What the the safe route of what you think you should do, you know, older man. Well, I mean, not just because he's older, but like, you know, an established, like, you know, safe guy with a good job and nice heart. And, you know, and then versus Alex, who's a writer and has got a lot of heart. And maybe... <laughs> Maybe the parallels of Sutton and Alex and Kat and Dina having sex for the first time in the same episode was foreshadowing in a bad way that we were not prepared for. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's finish this off with fucking Jane. Oh, yeah. She writes her article. Jacqueline likes it, wants to publish it right away, which I'm also not sure that's how that works. But then Jane decides to publish it with her name. And let me just say, I read a little bit of what we saw of the article and what my eye caught was fucking hilarious. It says, with my best friend's fingers twisting frantically inside. (laughs) I did not read the article or I did a long time ago and forgot. I never paid attention, but I was just like happened to see that this time, I guess. And I was just like, what? Oh, my Who God. Wrote that's... That? Um, I was too busy. I was just like, God, does Scarlet mandate that all of its employees have an app so you get notified every time an article gets released? Like everyone is staring at this fucking article. The, the funniest thing to me is that we end the episode of all of these different people reacting to Jane never having an orgasm before. It's just like deeply funny to me. Yeah. (laughs) I guess the message is like Jane's being vulnerable and like putting herself out there. But it's just like the article is about her never having an orgasm before. And that's what we're seeing all these reactions to. It's just hilarious. Like it's like Kat, Sutton, pinstripe alex like why and it felt like it was a lot of like yeah you go girl reactions and i was just like (laughs) don't look at me (laughs) it was so bizarre and like cat and sons make sense because they know this about her Mm -hmm. but like pinstripe and alex don't know this like why are we seeing their reaction i don't know it's just it's very funny to me it'll never stop being funny and that is our chaotic review <laughs> of the second episode of season one of The Bold Time. Hope you had a good time. Uh, v and I are like your uh, grandma <laughs> and her, her like best friend that sit on the porch 
all day and gossip like that's how we're approaching covering this first season oh yeah oh yeah I was like if the people would really like to know before we started recording Katie and I just sat here while we talked about the weather and I sorted through some mail (laughs) yeah we're doing great what are you talking about um, thank you for listening and sticking with us on this journey, reviewing season one. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, what's the spiel? Download our episodes, rate and review us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. We love to hear from you. We'll see you next time. At this lesbian shit on Twitter, at this lesbian ship on Instagram. There you go. All right. Bye. Bye. This lesbianship is intense. It's a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.